Oh, man, I just lost a chunk of my nest egg in the market whipsaw. Oh, sorry to hear that. Looks like I'll be wearing a yellow apron well into my 70s. Welcome to Wall... Hey, don't get down. Get educated. Listen to the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby Sundays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. What did you learn? How not to go backwards with the market, my friend, and have the opportunity to move forward with market growth. That's exactly what I need. So learn about your financial power with the Total Financial Hour Sundays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. here on AM870, The Answer. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for staying with me. Appreciate it. Every week at this time, your family's finances, of course, handling, uh, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. That's what life is all about on the Total Financial Hour. Our goal is to help you kind of understand what's taking place in the financial world. And I bring that up to you because this week there's been a lot of conversations about First Republic Bank, uh, a lot of issues about what's the bank uh, that's going to fail next. Is that bank that's going to fail going to make things worse? Are we in a position to where... It's contagious or has it been contained, right? That's a bit a bit scary, isn't it? Well, I want to explain to you a little bit about how this happened and what it's about. I hope to try to keep it simple, easy to understand. The biggest issue that this bank has, both uh, Silicon Valley Bank, SVB Bank, and of course, First Republic and maybe others down the road, certainly others are trying to fix their problems quietly, quickly, before anybody finds out. And what it is, is is they had a short-term uh, asset, right? Or, or short-term liability, rather. So they're on the hook for money in a short term, but then they took your money and they went out and they invested in the long term. By investing in the long term, at any time you can say, hi, give me my money. Well, the only way they can get you the cash after a short reserve, a small amount of reserve money that they had was to go up, oh, wait a second, I'll be right back, I'll get your money, let me go cash it in. Imagine if you were to say, I have to pay next month's house payment. And as long as I have a job, money comes in the front door, right? Deposits come in the front door. Money goes out the back door to pay your bills. Front door, back door. But meanwhile, you've been investing in money in your 401k plan. And you're 37 years old. Well, no problem. Your 401k plan, that's a long-term play. You're not 65, 70 years old yet. You don't need the money. So you put money in the 401k plan. And every day you're working, money comes in the front door, goes out the back door. Front door goes, right, you're paying your bills. Now, one day you can't pay your bills, can you? Why? Because you lost your job, right? All of a sudden, a bank can't pay its bills. Why? Because nobody else is depositing money. And people are saying, hey, I want my money. So now money has to go out the front door, but there isn't any money coming in. 
So what SVB Bank did is they went and cashed in those long-term investments they had, just like you had to cash in your 401k plan, and you had to pay a penalty. You had to pay taxes, you had to pay fees. Well, the same thing the banks had to do. So instead of having a short-term obligation and a short-term asset, right? Liability and asset, short-term, long-term, short-term, long-term, 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 short-term. They didn't do that. They were counting on that job, in, your, in my example with you, with money coming in every week, every day, and they thought they could set aside money for the long term and never have to touch it. Well, they did. And when they did, there were penalties and fees. They have to report those, and it scares people. And then the run on the bank started. What scares me is how fragile the whole system was, right? I just want you to, to understand. That's a pretty scary thing because the fragility of it all, that's the problem to worry about. That's where I always go, eh, how quickly that went from nothing to something, right? Just like with COVID, how quickly the Biden administration could shut down the entire system, right? How quickly could the Biden administration screw up uh, the oil industry and the energy systems, right? That's the scary part is how fragile the system is. That's why I'm always concerned, right? I, I don't play this game like I'm worried about it thinking that, you know, the sky is falling. I don't, I don't think that, but I do think the system is a little fragile and I want you to be careful. So just make sure you have income coming in every month. Make sure you have assets that are not all in the same place, right? Diversify. Don't put everything in your, right? Don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know where that came from, by the way? Because you would come out from the house, from the, from the chicken coop to the house and you'd come and you'd put all the eggs in one basket and you'd trip. you fall. This morning's breakfast is gone. Maybe even lunch. Right? By, by making a couple of trips back and forth, if there was a problem, if you tripped, if you ran into something, if you made a mistake, you didn't lose everything. You lost those, but not all of them. Right? So putting all your eggs in one basket, if you were going to the chicken coop back and forth, you would lose a little bit. That, that's the scary part. Right, Michael Milken, you guys remember him? Michael Milken says, recent crisis is the same mistakes banks have been making for decades. And here's his quote. Milken says on CNBC's last call, you shouldn't have borrowed short and lent long. How many times, how many decades are we going to learn this lessons from bar- of borrowing overnight? Right, Banks borrow from each other overnight. And then they took the money that, that, that was on a deposit Borrowed money from, and then they turned around and gave you a 30-year loan. You have to keep 30-year assets, 30-year, 30-year, 20-year, right? He says, he goes on to say, we made the mistake in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. Surprise. We did it again. He says, the banks have enough credit. They've done this. They're okay. Most of them are fine. But he thinks some of them are still going to have problems. Ultimately, that's that's his judgment. So we think about this from a standpoint of making sure we're not going to make this same mistake again. Well, ask yourself this. When all of a sudden I turn around and you think about this for a minute, lawmakers do not want interest rates hiked. They just don't. Well, surprise. They did. And you think about this. City council, 
mayor, even governors are jumping in to San Francisco's issue this whole week. As now Nordstrom's has closed, closing two of its San Francisco stores. Is that interesting? Is that not going to be a problem? Maybe. Right. Is it the last one? Uh, You've heard the story. Hey, uh, the last one out of the city of San Francisco, you just mind shutting the lights off? Because we're leaving. And every time you turn around, somebody else is leaving. Somebody else is leaving. I don't know who's going to be leaving the next layer, if you will, when it comes to the city of San Francisco or Chicago or Los Angeles. But there are countless businesses leaving the city of Los Angeles. I told you because, well, I told you last week. Their business income tax is a big issue because it's just enough for people to hurt people, right? A lot of people, a lot of businesses don't make what they pay in taxes. That means you're working your tail off so that the city, county, state can keep all the cash. By the time you pay for your expenses, your taxes, your payroll taxes, income taxes, by the time you pay for all that stuff, often small businesses aren't even making enough to pay themselves. And if you're a small business owner, you know that. So what do we see happening on the, on the horizon? Well, this week we had a major bank, Morgan Stanley, right? The place of the vice, the, the land of vice presidents, <laughs> right? The land of the vice president. Everybody there is a vice president. I, 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 or if I work with the broker, he's a vice president. I go, where is that? He goes, oh, that's uh, Merrill's Morgan's uh, Schwabby. Everybody's a vice president there. I go, yep, that's right. Everybody's a vice president. Well, this week, Morgan Stanley plans to cut 3,000 jobs. That's 2% of its staff. They're going to try to tell you that's not a big deal. It's a big deal. That's a lot of people to lose their jobs. So I want you to be careful because I think some big issues are coming down the road. So how do you prepare? How do you lay it out to where you look in the mirror and you say, I think I've got a way to manage and to create wealth. Well, I I think two things need to happen. Number one, I think you need to keep some of your powder dry. That's what they say. Keep some of your powder dry. It means keep some money off to the side. Now that we're hearing that, uh, who is it? Uh, Charlie Munger. Remember him? Charlie Munger from Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire, yeah, right? Warren, Buff- Warren Buffett's partner, Berkshire Hathaway, Vice Chair Charlie Munger says Monday that a storm is brewing in the U.S. commercial real estate property market. So if you're somebody that's interested in buying commercial property, if that's part of what you're interested in doing, it's part of your, your portfolio, then I think you have to ask yourself, what is it that is coming down the road that I can take advantage of? I don't think a lot of you have understood that because that's coming down the road. And when it does, I want you to look in the mirror and say, okay, I'm ready to take that leap. But you have to prepare. You have to educate yourself. Everything from from TED Talks to YouTube videos to to books. I like the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series. That changed my life. It can can work for you if if you're one that uh, understands and appreciates that world. I do. So it worked for me. So I think there's a few things. Listen, 17, 18, what is it? 18 and a half years now on the radio. I think you've got to come to the realization 
that there's some things you're going to be good at and some things you're not going to be good at. So if you're not good at investing in real estate, if if you just can't figure it out, if that's not your thing, if you realize that you stink when it comes to stock market investing, okay, some of you are. I spoke with somebody this last week. He's like, Arif, I'm 65 years old. I make $19,000 a month. Okay, that's a lot of money. I don't care who you are. $19,000 a month. And he has $50,000 saved. $100,000 saved in a savings account that he uses as a stock market trading account. All right. So $50,000 in his his, uh, 401k IRA. And the rest of the money in a stock market trading account. I said, well, who makes the decisions on what stocks to buy and sell? He goes, well, me and my wife and our broker, and we, we, we think about it, and we invest, and we consider it. Okay, well, I don't know what's happening, but, but your money's going somewhere. Maybe you're just not a good stock market investor. Your broker certainly isn't, not if he or she is still working, right? If their job is to, to try to make you rich, if that's what they think they're supposed to do, that if that's what you think they're supposed to do, then you have to ask them, show me your bank statement. Show me your investment statement. You better be rich. Because otherwise, how are you supposed to teach me something you've never done? And if I, your customer, make more money than you do, why am I even taking advice from you? I don't mean you're a bad guy. I just mean I need somebody who's already done it, who's been there. So that's difficult when you're trying to lay that out if you're a stock market person, right? That's not my job. My job is not to make you rich. My job is to keep you from being broke. That's a pretty powerful difference. So you can't have the same person whose job is to keep you from being broke who's also the same person whose job it is to make you rich. Those are different human beings. They're just not the same. Different, different objectives, different responsibilities, different points of view. One isn't better than the other. We're just different. I wouldn't ask my plumber to be my electrician. I wouldn't say, hey, while you're at, while you're at it, you know, fixing my transmission, you mind jumping over here and fixing the brakes on my car? Can you do that for me, please? Is that a possible? So I think you have to ask yourself, Am I, do I stink when it comes to the stock market? <laughs> Many of you, uh, listen, you know, if you're not sure, I'll tell you what, ask your wife, because usually it's the guys. If if you're not sure if you if you stink as a stock market investor, ask the missus. She will tell you. Hey, buddy. Uh, and and if she's a decent woman, and and I'm hopeful she is because I I'm fortunate to have one. If she's a decent woman, she's going to say something like, you know, sweetie, it's just not your strength. You are so good at other things, right, women? You know how to talk to us. Keep our egos in check. Keep us from deflating into a corner and rocking like a three year old. You know how to do that. You know, so so that's an important conversation to have. And if you're not good at in commercial real estate investing or residential real estate investing and in stock market trading, then then the coming storm that's coming around the corner or the or the deal of a lifetime or the crypto investing or whatever it is that the, that you think is happening, let it pass you by. Let it come in the front door and go out the back door because that is not your thing. If you are great, I have a client who's an amazing engineer, and he's a, he builds things. I mean, gosh, he takes a piece of sheet metal in his facility and, and makes 
Defense Department, aircraft parts, and just things that are pretty incredible. Lousy stock market investor. And he'll tell you that. He says, Arif, I just close my eyes. I give it to you. And what I do is very important. I lay it out so that your job is to take care of my income. Your job is to take care of my protection, grow my in- grow my wealth at a reasonable rate of return. Your job, Arif, is this over here. My job is manufacturing. Don't tell me how to be a manufacturer, and I'm not going to tell you how to be a safe market uh, financial expert. I think that's important because you do that in the rest part of your life. I can tell you how it was in the in the old days. I don't know today because I'm not a stock market guy, a investor, trader, broker guy anymore. That's not what I do. But I can tell you when I used to do years ago, it was very simple. In the early uh, 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, you would come home from work. Here's what would happen. You'd come home from work after a long day. You'd spend all night doing your research, coming up with a plan, and you would put your stop losses Okay, you would buy buy a stock X at $10 a share. Buy stock Y at $30 a share. If it drops down to this price, I'm going to sell it at that. Okay, so you would put in all of these things. Then what would happen at 6 o'clock in the morning, all the New York guys, 6 o'clock our time, 9 o'clock their time, they all get into the office and they pull up the computer and they see your order. Did you know that? They, they would see, oh, Arif is willing to sell 100 shares of X for this price. We think it's a good deal. We're going to drop the price of the stock down to that number. So they drive it down. They grab my, my sale. And then they drive the stock back up. And they do it within seconds, microseconds. So I got stopped out of my stock at a, at a $10 price. And it goes right back up to $11 or $12 for the day. And guess who sells it? That's right, Mr. and Mrs. Broker, not Arif. You see, their job is to take your money. So even today, if you think you're buying, selling, buying, selling, you better be smarter than the person on the other side of the trade. Because the person on the other side of the trade, you think it's a good idea to buy, they think it's a good idea to sell. One of you is right. So I always ask you, if that's the case, are you willing to take that chance? There, it isn't a simple question and answer. It's, are you educated enough to see whether or not it makes sense? Because if you are, then absolutely, you got extra money. You think the market's going in one direction. You do it. You sell, you buy. My point is, who's taking care of you? Right? If everybody's a, a vice president at your broker-dealer, your investor, your your financial firm, your financial professional. If everybody's a vice president, you've got to ask yourself, who's who's the worker? Because somebody's the worker, right? Vice president's not supposed to be the worker. Do I trust them? Are they good people? I don't know. All right, a couple other things I want to cover here. Some of the job openings, they say that they dropped. Let me tell you how the system works. This week, they're reporting that more job openings dropped than expected in March, meaning, oh my gosh, everybody is working and there just are, there just aren't, aren't enough jobs anymore. The openings are closed. Okay, you got to ask yourself, is this passing the, the BS test? I don't know. Uh, 
the bologna test? Right? If it's passing the BS, the bologna sandwich test, then you got to ask yourself this. Do I see job uh, help wanted signs everywhere or not? Do I go to a company and they always apologize? I'm so sorry we have a new staff. I'm so sorry the restaurant is slow because we have a new people in the back. I'm so sorry. You ever, you ever see that? We're training somebody. Please be patient. And you're telling me that the Biden administration says, oh, gosh, good news. We have uh, less jobs available. Everybody's working. Look, we told you the biggest issue you're going to have when you pull people out of the workforce and you tell them to stay home and you tell them we're going to pay you to stay home. The biggest issue we have is that those folks will say, I'm going to reduce my standard. Some will say, I'm going to reduce my standard of living. I don't need to make that much more money, right? The drive of America becomes impotent. And suddenly you have somebody who says, eh, it's not really that important. You know, that new car, I don't really need to save it because really who's driving new cars anyway, that buying a house, who wants to buy a house? Uh, Listen, I'm told I'm going to die by climate change by the end of the week. And besides that, my race is a victim anyway. Do you realize you cut the legs out from under the potential of successful people? And you tell them to stay home, to play video games on their phone, to play a video game on TV. You teach them that living in an ulterior world, right, an alternate universe, because that's what happens with video games. That's why we go to a movie for an hour and a half. Right? You understand that movies are not 45 minutes. A TV show is, but not a movie. You understand movies are not four hours. Because scientifically, it's been decided that anywhere between an hour and a half and two hours and a half, right in that two hours and 15 minutes, right in there, that's the time enough to have you leave the world of reality, go into this world of make-believe where you can be the hero. I want to be the hero. I like being the hero. Don't you like being the hero? Right, Tom Cruise, man. Listen, the movie folks called I Was Busy, They Asked for Tom. Between the two of us, it, it's hard. I get it. Right. So I just get to watch and I get to see what I would have done if I were him. Mission Impossible or whatever it is. Top Gun. I like them all. I'm not saying I like him. Whatever. I don't care about him. I I like the show. And I sit there just long enough. To psychologically and emotionally and even chemically in my brain be a part of solving the mystery or the adventure or whatever the issue is, whatever the show is. You see, they understand that if they had a four-hour movie, there's a peak, and then they lose you, and you're done. And the psychological effect of the movie is irrelevant, and you won't come back. You see, video games are the same thing. TikTok is the same thing. Facebook videos, the same thing. They know how to psychologically bring you in with whatever formula or format that they're using, whether it's a TikTok video, there's a certain amount of seconds before the uh, pornography is the same thing. All of this runs down that same dopamine avenue. I share this with you because you need to understand that the motivation of getting you off your fanny, off your couch, and go to work and create wealth for your family and create success for your family means it's not going to happen in 97 minutes. It's going to happen in years. You have to be patient. You have to be methodical. You have to understand your, your career, your, your, your uh, trade. You have to understand people. 
all of that, that whole mechanism in place is, needs to drive you down the road of understanding that patience, as they say, is a virtue. But when the entire entertainment industry is designed to get you hooked just for the very next thing, and instead of just disappearing once a week for 80 or 90 or 120 minutes and then going back to reality, where you feel good, right? Or you feel scared or you feel happy, whatever it is that they're trying to, to work that emotion, there is a chance that it rides through the rest of your day and in some cases for a couple of days. But then you're back to reality, aren't you? and your life, and you're dealing with your life problems, and you feel like they can be accomplished. You see, financially, that's the same thing. And stay tuned after the break. I want to cover a couple more things with you on what's happening with the environment, getting away from the craziness that I see happening when it comes to your financial life. 888-99-RETIRE. I'm Eric Hallaby. 888-997-3847. Stay with me after the break. Your place for news, talk, and information. This is the Total Financial Hour. We'll be right back. We'll help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arif Halaby. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me, Arif Halaby, the total financial show. This is your place for news, talk, and information. Uh, we're, we're covering your family's finances and some of the changes in the economy, and, and I want you to... to Kind of work through this part with me because I think that you need to understand what's happening financially with the big picture of the economy. Uh, let's start with this. Who's laying off? Is that Jenny Craig? <laughs> yes, it is. What does Jenny Craig come up with this week? Oh, a mass layoff, shutting down weight loss centers. Oh, what about uh, Subway? They're closing, what, more than 500 U.S. stores in 2022? And they've closed over 6,000 since 2016, and there are more to come? Now, why is that important? Well, because the largest franchise in the world was Subway, not McDonald's. That's interesting. They're making some changes. You see, these kinds of things are important because as you see the blue states hemorrhaging a tax base, and dollars are moving from one place to another, you also see people moving from one place to another. You see, in the Civil War, it was North against South because the values were the same for the North and the values were the same for the South. So when you had the values uh, uh, and the, the, the religion also was, was the same all over the country, right? I mean, you had Lutherans and you had Baptists and Methodists, but by and large... You had both of those areas containing Methodists and Baptists and all. Right? There was no change. So what was it? It wasn't, you know, one is Jewish and one is Muslim and one is Christian and one is Jewish. You didn't have, it was values. It was 
values based on slavery. It was values based on economic circumstance. It was values based on the human condition. Those were a lot of the reasons that the Civil War was fought. Today, what do you have? Now you have a hodgepodge of values across the country that are not easily drawn with the Mason-Dixon line, is it? What do you got? Well, it's very simple, folks. You have uh, the state of Utah one way and Oregon next door to it a different way uh, and Washington a different way. And then you have Wyoming and Idaho. Well, that's a uh, that's back to the same as Utah. But uh, oh, go back down south. Texas has the same values as Idaho and Wyoming. But uh, oh, wait, not um, maybe Louisiana may not. You see where I'm going with that is it's it's now a patchwork of values across the country. As these big corporations are laying people off, what do you think will happen with Jenny Craig planning mass layoffs, shutting down weight loss centers? What do you think is going to happen as massive blue states hemorrhage tax bases? Where do you think these sandwich stores, the weight loss centers, where do you think organizations like... uh, Banks, uh, manufacturing companies, grocery stores. Do you think Nordstrom's that is shutting down stores in San Francisco will say, oh, well, I guess we're just not going to make any more money. I guess we're done making money in business. Or do you think they're going to say, that's interesting. Um, North of Austin, Texas, there's a city. Uh, Maybe that's the place to go. Or... East of Nashville, Tennessee, southeast of Nashville, Tennessee, maybe that's a city to go and invest in. Southern Utah, maybe that's a city to invest in. You follow me? Because I think what's going to happen is the shifting of these stores as they recalculate and recalibrate. I think they're going to look in the mirror as certain companies are laying people off. I think you're going to see this transition of organizations run along and say, we're going to start relocating to some of these other places. Look, one of the ways that I look at across the country uh, where people are moving and where business is thriving is we just ask our clients. You know, the third or fourth question I ask you, some of you know this because you've come in. I go, great, are you married? Are you single? The third or fourth question is, uh, do you think you're going to stay in California when you retire or for the rest of your retirement if you're already retired? I ask that question Not because I made it up, but because you guys are telling me. Now, I want California, I want to shake them for a minute. But I don't think they care. I think if I had a heart-to-heart with Gavin Newsom and his best friend in the world, besides the one whose wife he stole, but a different one, his best friend in the world told him, Arif is an honest, smart guy. Whatever he says is 100% true. Let's say whoever he trusts in the world would listen uh, listen to me, uh, would, would tell him to listen to me, right? Arif's the best guy. All right. And I said, uh, Governor Newsom, thank you for taking a few minutes. I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome, Arif. I just had to spend a few minutes with my hair gel, so thanks for waiting. Oh, oh well, thank you, Governor. I appreciate it. Uh, it's nice. Uh, I just want to tell you something. As a financial professional for more than 27 years in Southern California, born and raised here, by the way, in Southern California. Love the state. Love the people. Uh, I want to tell you, Governor, 
It's a mess. People are leaving. They're retiring. They're taking their money and they're leaving the state. Poor people are staying. In fact, Governor, I don't know if you saw, but the southern border is so open. We have poor people, nice people, honest people, Christian people, solid God, but poor people that don't belong here. We have them coming in to the state. I, I don't know, Governor Newsom, but but I don't know if you know, but but they're they're lying on forms to get health insurance, to get free health insurance that we were told Obamacare wouldn't go to illegal aliens. And yes, yet it is. We were told that they weren't going to get Medi-Cal or, or the, the food stamps. We were told that, that if we approve this program, I don't know if you know, Governor, but they are giving it to people who are not supposed to be here. Shh, don't tell anybody. I'm just telling you. Like, uh, so, <clears throat> so I think if I, if I went through that with the governor and I used graphs and charts and I used anecdotal evidence and real evidence and used the scientific method and I broke it all down to him, I think he would look at me still and at the end would say, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Right? First, he'd frisk me for a microphone or a camera and he'd say, okay, you don't have one. And then he would just tell me how it, how it is. He would say this. He'd say, you know what, Arif? I honestly don't care. We need the votes. We need to make sure that California stays solid forever. Because remember when they promised the illegal aliens coming in are never going to get amnesty. What is every other word that comes out of the Democrat Party? The left-wing party, the left-wing of the United States. You know what they say? Amnesty. Immigration reform, amnesty. We need immigration reform, amnesty. Whenever they say that, just say that, amnesty. And you know what amnesty means is you came in here, you lied, you stole, you stole somebody else's social security number, you stole somebody's uh, benefits, illegal, you lied about how many kids you had, all the other stuff that people do. Again, decent people, honest people, some of them. Otherwise, besides lying and coming into the country illegally, but but probably good parents, probably good kids, good you know good sons, good daughters. God fearing. When God looked at them he, and me, he thought he saw the same. He didn't see one better or, or worse. But the same. What if I were to go to Guatemala or Mexico and say I'm just going to stay and give me free stuff? You know how fast they'd throw my fanny out the back door, right? So so you got to ask yourself. You know, what is it that Governor Newsom is doing? Because Arif just had an honest conversation with him. He can give me a call at 888-99-RETIRE. Governor Newsom, call me. I don't mind talking. I'll, I'll spend a, not just an hour. I'll spend two hours with you, Governor Newsom. And I can help you. And then after that, from then on, I will never put you down on my show ever again. Because I will say this is a man who is willing to listen to the other side, willing to be schooled, coached, uh, he's coachable. I'd be willing to listen. If that Governor Newsom came along and I would say, wow, he's an honest guy. He wants to learn. He wants to get better. Triple eight ninety nine retire Governor Newsom. That's how you get a hold of me. Triple eight ninety nine retire All right. So what do I think is going to happen? I think he's trying to bankrupt the state, right? I, I think he wants to bankrupt the state because when that happens, 
if you go back and you look, when we had 9-11 happen, right? When we had uh, the terrorist attack, it opened the door for all the crazies that were kind of back, right? Like think of the racehorses. They're held back by the gate. We're waiting. We're wait- And they're waiting. Sometimes these racehorses are waiting for, for a decade for another emergency to come. They're waiting for something to pop up and, and drive this craziness. And of course, 9-11 happens. And the crazies, the gate is open and they're off. The gate opens and crazies are running out. Left wing, right wing, everybody's running out. And they come up with this thing called the Patriot Act and the FISA court. And we're thinking, well, that's okay. It's got to be correct. It's got to be right. It's for America. And Republicans love America and they love people. And they, so, you know, Bush is putting, pushing this through. It's got to be okay. Now, some of you, some of you civil, civil libertarians were pretty smart. And you said, ah, I think this is bad news. I don't think it's a good idea. And of all of us, myself included, by the way, myself included, went along and said, no, no, no. This is good for America. We need it. We have a system to keep these crazies in check. Eh. Wrong answer, Arif. Nice try. Your naivety. You are too naive. Well, I guess I learned, didn't I? Just like you, just like us, we thought. We hoped, we planned, and we were let down. So I think the next, the, the next level, right, the crazies were, were behind the gate, and they were waiting in the left wing and the right wing, and wait, 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 and take your mark, and they're back behind the gate. And the 2008 banking crisis happens, right? When the two, see the 2000 when 9/11 hit, there was also the during that same mix of time, right? Just before it was the 2000 crash, March 15, I believe, was the, was the height of the stock market of 2000 before the Nasdaq crashed. Right in that period of time, right in the middle of March, I want to say it was 15 March. Right? What did it do? Bankrupted a lot of people. Drove and the crazies were out then. Then nine eleven. Right? Uh, oh, and then two thousand and eight. The crazies that were behind the gate with the Patriot Act. Two thousand and eight. Two thousand and eight comes along and the and they're off. And the left wing and right wing are running along. And what do they do? They start talking and looking in the mirror. What can we do? What can we do? Oh, we know we're going to start taking people's money. And they began. A lot of these reforms, it's reform, right? Whenever you hear the word reform, I want you to think about it. They're going to say, it's for the children. What do you mean you don't like clean water? What do you mean? Reform? Reform? It's for old people. Reform? Don't you want to be reformed? Change. Change, reform, old people, clean water, clean air, children. We like them all. (laughs) That's... That's what today the left wing, because they're in charge, that's who's running it. I don't trust the right wing any much more than the left wing. Right now, it's just that the right wing doesn't have the power. Maybe never will again. I don't know. Maybe it's cynical. So what did the left wing do? Well, 2008 comes along and they start all these banking reforms and we're going to fix it this time and mortgage and we're going to fix it and we're going to fix it. Okay, well, we putzed along. 2015, we had a little bit of a crisis, but it came and went quickly. Most of you don't even know what happened. I do because it's my industry, but they fixed it. Well, I think more or less they put a Band-Aid on it because Obama didn't want a problem under his watch. 
So he opens up the floodgates of money and out came the flood of cash. And that's when we went from four, five, six billion dollars in uh, in debt to now, where are we now? 32, whatever it is. Right? So then the crazies got behind the gate. They started chomping at the bit again. Take your mark. And COVID. Right? In, instead of COVID being what it should have been, which is, hey, guys, it's uh, if you're sick, stay home. If you're sick, wear a mask. And then get the mask off so that you can, you're not breathing warm, moist air, that your body just said, let's get rid of it. No, I don't. I'm going to eat. Drink. Ah, ah, ah. Right? You decide to keep it. So you wear a silly mask. Right? So COVID comes along. Power, shift, move, money. So there will be another crisis. There has to be. That is the only way that power shifts. My concern is one day things are not going to go well. And I pray we don't have violence. I pray we don't have crazies in the street. But I'm telling you, it's not the same. It's not north versus south, right? Or east versus west. When you have this intermixture of states all across the country. And you have these states that, that are kind of interwoven with an Indiana on one side and an Illinois next door to it. Illinois full of crazies, Indiana not so much. Right? These things that, that matter in the world, financially speaking, the things that matter aren't the same. The values to, to a left-wing person in Chicago has nothing to do with those in Fort Wayne, Indiana. A conservative in Fort Wayne, Indiana has no clue what the heck are you talking about when they say there are boys that can be girls and girls that can be boys. And uh, what? What do you mean? What do you mean a guy that puts on a dress can walk in to my daughter's high school volleyball locker room? That, that's, that just doesn't compute to a guy in Omaha. It, it, it makes no sense to a person in McKinney, Texas. Oh, perfectly makes sense to that guy in Los Angeles or San Francisco or Seattle or Portland. Do you see what I'm saying? So the values start to decide our money. So I don't want you to think about relocating from the frying pan into the fire. Why? Because you think that the values are going, your values are going to transfer. I want to promise you, leave the left-wing values, even though you might call them normal, they're still left-wing values, Leave those in California or just stay in California, right? If you don't go to the, if you're going to move to another state, uh, try to imagine yourself, right? What What is a former smoker or former drinker like, right? Somebody who quit smoking, they're the most anti-smoking persons I know, right? They're, they're the, the person, anti-drug addict, right? They're very passionate about that because they know what it was like on the other side. So you're going to move. Just call yourself a political refugee. Just say, listen, I'm a political refugee. I'm heading to your, your, your state because you guys give people a chance to actually just be themselves. And you're not going to call me racist for not believing in what your craziness is. Right? When the reduction to the, of the value of the word racist, bigot, 
homophobe, right? All of those bad, bad words that that we used to to shy from and you would fight somebody, you would beat somebody up if they called it called you that. Right? That ugly, ugly word, when now all of a sudden it has become anybody you disagree with, you just call them a racist. Right? That they're gonna say, Oh, that's not what I'm doing. Oh, yes, it is. A bigot, homophobe, phobe, phobe. What, 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 what? Come back. I, I just don't think a guy dressed like a girl should be in his locker room. I, I, I just think that's not right. No, I'm sorry. That doesn't work. You're a homophobe. So I want you to kind of keep in mind that the relationship you have with the truth should transcend anything political. So what do you know to be true? Okay, well, then that's what you know to be true. You don't change because the wind's blowing the other direction. You don't change what you think or believe or want to be true because you want to be popular. You want to be somebody's friend, right? We see that over and over again. We see that when people are forced to sit into these meetings, right? These re-education meetings, like Nazi Germany or, or more like uh, more down the road of the communist party system or North Korea, right? Vietnam, after, after Saigon fell, Vietnam purposely went in to the schools, to the places where there was uh, American presence and they gathered all the kids. They didn't kill them. They needed them. They needed them to be workers and people. I mean, they would try to take out and, and, and kill the, the leaders, Right, the the mayor, the the people that led the 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 way, but in the end, what they needed to do, what they wanted to do, was to do something very simple. They wanted to re-educate these people, and that's what they did. So they took them and they made them go into various uh, education camps, go to school, go be what you uh, go learn why you're bad. Right, sit in the corner, say five Hail Marys, say I'm sorry's and and three mouths. Say three mouths, say tongues, and and you can come out, right? That's what they did. They created this disgusting re-education system. Today we call it the public school system. Where you have to take your kid and you gotta put him in a public sorry. I remember sitting in a meeting. I mean, I'm going back many years. This is 1995 or six and I'm a Los Angeles policeman and we had to sit in this meeting because uh, you know they were doing some federal consent decree and of course I don't know if you might have noticed maybe not but sometimes I am a bit cantankerous and all I do is use facts I mean that's horrible but I use facts and so I was that guy. I was that guy that said, excuse me, wait a second. Can you tell me why uh, you're trying to tell us to be nice to, to everybody? I get it. I'm not, I want to be nice to everybody and not to judge somebody when they're walking down the street with uh, gang tattoos and their pants around their ankles uh, and not think that they're a gang member or drug dealer when, when we're in a neighborhood with gang members and drug dealers. Uh, I mean, listen, he, he can wear his pants down if he wants. But we used to have something called walk like a duck, talk like a duck. You have to be a bit more careful with people that you might think 
are gang members, right? Uh, I mean, it wasn't a secret. Oh, well, you know, it's prejudging and yeah, it is. It is prejudging. It's called saving my life. Women, you call it intuition, right? Ladies, you know your safety. Well, police officers know their safety, right? Policemen get hurt or even die when they don't trust their instincts. Just like ladies, when you walk through that parking structure and you feel funny, then you turn around and you leave and get somebody to walk with you. When you get in the elevator and there's a guy there in the elevator and you get that funny feeling, oh, I forgot something. I'll be right back. And you leave. You don't enter the elevator because I don't want to hurt his feelings. I don't want him because I don't want him to think I'm a racist. Right? I, I'm, I'm not a racist. I don't care about that. Did you get a funny feeling? Did your, did your spidey senses tingle, right? That's actually a thing, people. Well, the same thing happens financially. You deal with a financial professional and you feel a little funny. You're dealing with your financial planning and, or, or your brokerage or you're looking at your retirement account and you go, something's wrong. I don't know what, but something's wrong somewhere. That's why you call me. Maybe I can help. 888 retire That's 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. That's how you get a hold of me. I love it. And also your emails. After the, after the break here, I'm going to go over your emails, but let me give you the email address. It's Arif, A-R-I-F, Arif at TFSWealth.com, Arif at TFS, stands for Total Financial Solutions, TFSWealth.com, so Arif, A-R-I-F. All right, I'll take your emails uh, after the break. I have a couple to go over with you. One of them I think you're going to find uh, really fascinating because it's about human nature, And the other one, well, it's probably going to be you or maybe a part of you when we come back. After the break, thanks for staying with me. I'm Arif Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Hour on your place for news, talk, and information every week at this time. Stay with me after the break. Your emails. I'm Arif Hallaby, 888-99-RETIRE. We'll be right back. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. Your place for news, talk, and information, AM 870, The Answer. I'm Arif Halaby, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. Uh, thank you for being a part of this part of the show, because this is where your emails are answered. It's where we get a chance to talk to you. It's where we get a chance to have a conversation about what it, uh, what matters, right? What your issues are, what concerns. And and I go through the emails in a way that I want you to, to know, because I think you need to, some people say, hey, why haven't you read my email yet? Or why aren't you answering my email on the air? Uh, I'll answer them directly, and sometimes I do. One of them I'm going to sh- share with you in a minute. I did directly already and uh, kind of worked through uh, their issues and made a difference to them. So that's cool. I think it's important that you know that some of what I do is directly with the folks, and some of them are going to be with you directly. 
through our radio uh, broadcast. Okay, so think about this for a minute. You and your family have made a decision, and in this particular case, to uh, to, to move, right? You're, you're thinking, I'm going to move. Uh, we've made that decision, the final straw, whatever it might be, right? Believe it or not, for me, you know, they say the the straw that breaks the camel's back. You understand that saying? That means you can load the camel up. With also, but, but when is enough? When is too much? And it's one piece of straw, how light that piece of straw is. But it isn't light when you compare it to everything else. And you lay that one extra burden. Like you can deal with a lot of problems and challenges and a credit card due and a, a car payment. And, a, and then it's all of a sudden one bill that comes in the door and suddenly financially you're upside down. You can deal with a lot of problems. And then all of a sudden one homeless guy is sleeping on your front lawn and you said, that's it. It's enough. If that was the only thing, you probably would call the police, get out of here, spray him with a hose, whatever you do to get rid of him. You say, get off, get off my lawn. You're crazy. You're scaring my children, whatever it is. Okay. But when it comes to the straw that breaks the camel's back, when we hear that as a thing, you have to ask yourself, when is it too much to deal with to say we're done in California? I, I, I wish people don't move, right? I, I'm here. I like the, I like the uh, weather. I like the environment. My family's here. But I can't help but think that it's happening on purpose. So let me share with you something from a client. And I think you need to realize that in their particular case, right, with, with them and everybody else that's in their position, that a lot of a lot of people make the decision to leave and it's really kind of a sad moment for some. It's it's like you know when something's over. Maybe you know when your job is over. It's time to leave your job or a marriage or a relationship, right? You, you say it's not supposed to be this way, but it but it happens. Right? A lot of people make it as their last ditch hopes. So here it is from Tom and Sharon. All right. Dear Arif, thanks for all the great information over the years as we've now decided we want to live where we want to live during our retirement years, and it's not here in California. We have made the difficult decision to move out of our home of 32 years and leave some of our family behind. My question is whether or not you think we should sell our house. Also, how do we know how much money we will need in our new city? We have about $4,800 a month in Social Security income coming in between the both of us. I am still receiving about $2,700 a month from my mom's living trust, and that will last uh, from her apartment building inside of her living trust. She owned that for many years, and my uncle currently manages it. This will continue for three more years. Then he plans on selling it and giving me and my brother the proceeds. I expect that to be right around $1 million. My husband has his current retirement plan at work that totals $600,000. I want to use all of that money as a monthly income source when we move. We have saved about $300,000 in our various savings and money market accounts. I still have about $80,000 in stocks, but it has sentimental value, so I'm not going to sell it. 
I don't want to do anything with it, but I still need around $9,500 a month in income when we move. By the way, our house will sell for enough to buy a new one for cash and still give us about $200,000 in our bank. We want to keep that liquid for repairs or upgrades or to put in a new backyard. All right, Tom and Sharon, I I like what you're thinking here because, uh, Sharon, part of what you guys have done is built a, a good life, financially speaking. I'm proud of you. It's a great job. For those of you, I want to touch on a few issues here because of why I brought this to your attention is is for two or three things that really st- stood out to me. One, do you notice how she's still receiving money from her mother's trust? Some of you want to give your kids uh, a living trust, assets inside of a living trust. And you you put in the, the living trust, hey, if I die, just divide, sell everything and divide by two or divide by four and give it to everybody all the kids, everybody gets their piece and move on. So some of you have done that. That's the way you've kind of couched your living trust. The, uh, another way to do it is in this particular case, an asset, which is an apartment building. Some of you have commercial buildings. Some of you, ha- of you have other assets that have laid out a monthly income stream coming in. And that monthly income stream is a nice way to uh, offset some of the other costs that we encounter with inflation, right? Because rents can go up over time. Mortgage payments don't change. You have a 30-year mortgage payment. The payment is the same for 30 years. But rents over the course of 30 years can triple, maybe even quadruple, right? So a $1,000 a month rent payment could end up becoming $4,000 a month by the end of the 30-year mortgage. So if the goal is, for you to make sure your kids have an income stream and not just a big chunk of money, then maybe you want to put in your living trust the same thing. Okay, I have a commercial building with five units. I have a a shopping center or or an apartment building or duplex, whatever it is. You may want to have that continually managed and the income stream paying out to your kids. I see it happening with the success here and it's happened in other places as well. Just a side note, make sure that the kids that are receiving that money Consider it as sole and separate property. That means that if they commingle it in the, in the joint checking account, then it's his and hers, husband and wife. But if you want that asset, that money, to become and stay sole and separate property, so for example, let's say the wife receives $2,700 a month. She saves it in a savings account with just her name on it, comes up with enough money for a down payment on a rental property and uses that money as a down payment on the rental property that she carries in just her name, meaning it says, Mary Smith, a married woman, sole and separate property. That could be how you hold title, which now means that if there's a divorce or or a lawsuit or something, that money is Mary's. It has nothing to do with Joe's, or in this case, it's Sharon's and has nothing to do with Tom. So that is important that if it's something that you want your daughter to have or your son to have and keep it separate, you know, all of us have family members somewhere that are a little wacky or a little bit weird or, right, we're just not sure of them sometimes. You have to always ask yourself, hmm, do I want to keep something separate from my kids? Now, the day after you pass away, they can blow your idea right out of the water. So there's there's not a lot to keep them 
down the same road if, if, if you want to keep it sold on separate property. All right. Here's what I want you to understand. Tom and Sharon, I know you guys have made this difficult decision. I'm hopeful that you spent a lot of prayerful time and a discussion trying to figure out where it is that you want to live. But you're unsure about the finances. So here's what we're going to do. All of you that want to retire at period, whether you stay where you are or not, or you want to live and relocate to another city, I want you to play pretend. It's what I call play pretend. All right? It means that what you are doing is you're going to play pretend as if you are retired and living on whatever your retirement income is going to be. So, for example, let's say you bring in $10,000 a month now, but your retirement income is $6,000 a month. I want you to bring in that $10,000, put $4,000 in a savings account, act as if it doesn't exist, and then live on that $6,000 as if that is all you're making. Can you still enjoy life? Can you still pay your bills? Right? There's going to be some expenses that are related to working. So all you do with those expenses that are related to working, you pull it from the $4,000. Right? Maybe you're driving it a little bit longer. So there's only two tanks of gas a month that you think you would put in if you were retired. But really, you have to put three now. So one tank of gas, that would come from your $4,000. Right? So you keep what is related to work coming from the money that is coming in addition from work. But if you think you're going to live on 6,000 by the time you have pensions and social, whatever it is, in my example, then I want you to play pretend. You act as if. Okay? You live that way and see if you can enjoy life. Can you travel? Can you can you enjoy the the eating out at dinner, the things that you would do for fun in retirement? Or are you sitting in the house afraid to turn the electricity on? Are you sitting in the house and say, we're going to have to get another sweater because it's just too hot. And the 4,000 or six, sorry, the $6,000 a month is just not enough to live on. So it's a way to play pretend. It's a way to, to play retired, right? Like they say, play house. You're going to play retired. Can you do it without stress and still having a fun life. Okay. That's important because I don't want you to be somebody who is living in a place in retirement where, where it's just not fun. All right. What else do I want you to do? I want you to think about this. I'm okay. If you want to buy a house with cash, it sounds like that's your plan, but I'm not always concerned about a mortgage payment. If you have the income, I get it. I don't want you to have a mortgage payment. I don't like it. But bottom line is you're going to always have taxes. Most of you are going to have an HOA. You're going to always have insurance. So there's always an expense related to a house besides the maintenance. Not necessarily do I want to add a, a, a house payment to that. But I don't want you to think that that it's this mysterious thing that walks down the road that says, well, at least what I will do is I'm going to have uh, no house payment. Well, that's nice, but you still have all those other expenses. So you still have to be cognizant of the fact that even if you took a half a million dollars and paid off your house, you still have expenses. You know, I was in China uh, three times over the, the last uh, 15 years, I guess, 2008, 2010, and I want to say 2016, I think. So I was in China three times. And I remember the first time I was there, we were in Beijing. It was 2008, and I have my oldest son with me, and we're walking through the old city, and 
they said, you know, there's a lot of reforms that came here to China and were, were very much um, westernized and capitalism with a socialist or a government system, but we're using communism with a capitalist system and we're, we're doing this public-private partnership. I mean, they really tried to convince us that, that they were moving in the right direction. And who knows, if it weren't for the current chairman, maybe they would be further down the road of, of a you know, capitalist-type system. But what was interesting was this. We were walking through the old city, and he said, you see that house? It, although it looks old, it really is brand new inside. It's been completely remodeled. Uh, and the man and the woman that live there spent their own money to fix it. I said, wow, that's cool. I, I didn't think that you could own property. I thought there was, oh, no, no, we now allow you to own property. That's this whole public partner, private partnership thing. I said, oh, that's kind of exciting. So I ask again. I go, well, well, what is it? What does it cost? Like, what did they? Who do they pay? Because who owned it? It was the government. Am I buying it from the government when I write a check? When I get a mortgage? What do I do? He says, well, here's what happens: you buy it and you have a ninety-year lease. I said, what? So you never own it? He goes, oh no, you own the right to sell it, but you still have a ninety-year lease. I go, well, what does that mean? A ninety-year lease? What are you going to do with it? Ninety years? Then I. All the money I put into the house and fixing it up and everything else, my, my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids, nobody gets to enjoy it forever? He says, oh, no, the, the, the uh, city, the state, or, or, or the government, they, they have a chance to renew it for another 90 years if they want. And if not, then they will pay you for all of what you put in to improve it. Okay, that's pretty important you understand that. Because I was pretty upset about it. And he said, so he let me event for he let me vent for a minute and he goes, Arif, don't you guys have something called property taxes? I said, Yeah. He goes, Well, when is that paid? You see, here you pay a lease to the government. There you pay property taxes in California, don't you? And when does that end? I said, Oh, never. He goes, Exactly. You see, you're not going to live 90 years. So you're going to pay your property taxes. We call it a land lease. And because you can sell the building if you want, and if the government chooses to take the building, according to our law, and again, this is 2008. I don't know if it's changed. But according to our law, we have to pay you for the improvements. So I want you to to think twice about this with some of you, especially those of you that think... uh, a, a place like uh, Texas is the place to be when property taxes are through the roof or, or Tennessee, those are not cheap property taxes. So I get it. They have no income taxes. And if you make all of your money from a taxable source and you're going to have a small house or a house with 10 and a half or 12 acres or something where you can have a, a tax exemption, right? Property tax exemption because you have agricultural two acres of alfalfa or six beehives or 17 chickens, whatever the rules are, there's, there's different rules, right? If that's the case, then you just ask yourself, is it worth it? And as long as you're okay to that, I, I'm okay too. You just, you just ask yourself, but don't think it's free. The police have to be paid for. The roads have to be paved. California is just a corrupt state. Everybody takes their piece from the government unions all the way down, or should I say all the way up? Right, Everybody takes their piece. 
and it's extremely corrupt, not a little bit corrupt. I met with two people today, or this week rather. What did they do? They both sat in and said their pensions, their union pensions, are now part of something called the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, PBGC. What is the PBGC? It is a company. It's a corporation. It's a insurance company, for lack of a better word. But what does it insure? Well, it insures your pension. So if I'm a company, call me, oh, I don't know, TWA Airlines. Let's just play pretend for a minute. I'm TWA Airlines, and I've been taking money from your paycheck and from my profits, and I put it into this pension system, and the pilots, because, you know, I'm an airline, so I'm going to have pilots. Uh, The flight attendants, you know, because I have the the people that do the bags, you know, that load the bags and and clean the planes, right, right. Uh, The ladies and the gentlemen in the front counter that give the tickets. Hi, you're going to Chicago? Here you go. Thanks for coming. All those people, right? Here you go. Right, all those employees have a pension system. If I was called TW Airlines, TWA Airlines, right? Let's say my symbol was was red. I don't know. I like red. Let's choose red. And meanwhile, I'm paying out my pensions and everybody's happy. And then this guy named Carl, oh, let's just call him Carl Icon. Right? He walks down the street. He says, oh, I know. Look at all that money sitting in that pension fund. I'm going to buy you TWA Airlines. And he does. And he buys TWA Airlines. Why? Well, because it has some planes, but some of them are old and junky. But it has some equipment and it has some leases, some gates that it owns. It's pretty valuable. But it also has a pension plan. You see, the pension plan does not belong to the workers. Mm -mm. No, no, no. It doesn't belong to the employees of any sort. It belongs to the company. And the company has a bank account to pay its payroll, to pay for its gas for the planes, to pay for the leases, for the gates, right? the terminals, advertising, and pensions. All different bank accounts. And that big bank account that has the pensions belongs to the company. So when Carl Icahn buys it, he can strip, which is what he did, took lots of money out of the pension system, and then said, oops, sorry, there's no money to pay you. Good thing we bought insurance. So I know that yesterday you were getting $4,000 a month. Tomorrow you get $397, which is what happened. Happened to United Airlines, TWA, lots of Xerox and and many other types of uh, large companies. I don't know if it's Xerox directly, but companies like that. I was thinking, that's not 3M, maybe Kodak. I don't know. One of the companies that had a huge pension, it might have been Kodak that had to file bankruptcy. Right? These pensions lost. The money didn't disappear. It went somewhere. But the workers, the employees, the guys that busted their tail for 36 years get nothing or very little. So it depends on what the company buys. The company will buy insurance. It says, we're willing to insure up to $2,000 of your pension. And you might say, but gosh, I have $6,000 pension. They say, it doesn't matter. We only have an insurance policy for $2,000. It's like insuring, insuring your house, right? It's a four-bedroom, two-bath house. Well, we're only going to insure two-bedroom, two-bath. Well, what about the other two bedrooms? Well, we don't care. It's not our problem. 
So the fire comes and tough luck. You get to rebuild it, but at a smaller house. So ask yourself, it's nice that I have a pension, but will it last? I'm telling you that I don't think the state of California can cover its pension because it cannot print money. So it has to borrow money to pay for it. And instead of going, oh gosh darn, says Gavin Newsom, right? If you were listening last hour, you heard my conversation with him. It went pretty it went pretty well, considering I played both parts. Right? If you ask Gavin Newsom, hey, it looks like things are going pretty tough. We should probably stop spending money, back off some of these administrative costs that we that we've encountered. Lay off a bunch of people with some of these national, or sorry, these uh, uh, statewide school boards, these statewide water agencies, the six agencies that watch the same thing, right? The four agencies that take a look at the same thing. Why don't we? Why don't we consolidate and get rid of? I mean, we can lay them off. We can give them a little package. We'll give them a ring, maybe a a watch or something. But maybe we should start getting rid of some of these folks. I love them, retire them, pension them off, and start cleaning it up a little bit. So we can have money to put into the pensions to bring them up to snuff. But that's not what he's doing, is it? Spending more money, and then if you object, it's because you're racist. Like it, It's interesting to me that people still think that that's okay. Like, how is it that they can run around and call you a racist, call you a bigot, a homophobe, whatever they're, transphobe, right? Isn't that one? There's something else. Transphobe, that's that's the latest, greatest. They'll run that for a while. There's got to be something else. What is it? 0.05% of America or something is trans. And, and if, you, if you've taken a look at some of the latest charts, go off, off the rails, right? Ever since COVID, those that identify as trans. Uh, look, I, I have a, a friend. I never knew that that was his thing. He was cross-dressing for a while. And then one day I call up and I say, is Jerry there? They go, no, Jerry doesn't exist anymore. So-and-so does. I go, what do you mean he doesn't exist? What happened to him? They said, well, he doesn't exist. I said, what, what, what happened? Is he okay? They said, well, he's not here. Gosh. Well, then a short bit later, I get an email. And Jerry lays out his entire life and tells me what happened. I always thought I was a woman. I know that I'm probably never going to talk to you again. Immediately, I call him on the phone. I said, Jerry, listen, man, I don't hate you. One is I didn't realize you were in so much pain. And, you know, by the time we were done, I told him I cared about him and I, I hope he he's okay. But he didn't make me run around and, and call people names, right? He, he didn't call me transphobe for thinking this was a dumb idea. It's his life, not mine. But don't be changing our school systems and don't be running around and doing drag queen shows. That's night and day from, from the men and women that have challenges with their gender. Right? Stay out of my schools. Stay out of the preschools. Stay out of the kindergartens. I'm going to come back after the break. I have a, your emails. Eric Hallaby, 888 retire Stay with me on the Total Financial Hour. I'll be right back. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, Arab. Financial. 
Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. We're going to continue with your emails. Uh, I love the chance that I get to talk to you directly uh, through the air, of course, but also you get to talk to me. Triple eight ninety nine retire. Give me a call if you have a question. Maybe you want a second opinion. Sometimes I can help. Sometimes I'll tell you. Just this week, twice this week. Usually it's about once a week, but twice this week, I had a chance, the honor, really, to tell somebody I like the account. It. I wouldn't make any changes. Is this all you have? Is this what you want me to look at? Yeah. Then I think you're fine. Thanks for popping in. I don't know. It's probably twelve minutes or something. Ten or twelve minutes done. Thanks for coming in. Well, Eric, if I really want your help, I said, I think you're fine. If this is what you want my help with, uh, somebody did a good job for you, right? Wouldn't that be nice to be told that from somebody that doesn't have anything to gain? Hopefully somebody you trust, you respect. That's me, I hope. My job It's to get in and to kind of take a look and get a second opinion. So that's where I can help. If that works for you, great. Triple eight, that's 888, toll free, by the way, 888-997-3847. Okay, I wanted to to discuss with you, uh, you know, every once in a while, you've heard me talk about uh, widows and widowers and and people that come in. I want to give you kind of a a breakdown of just the normal process before I get into the details of this particular account. The normal process that we go through when we lose somebody we love, uh, you know, there's the various stages of grief. You've heard people smarter than me kind of go over that. I'm not going to get into that part, but... The, that whole process, when it's, quote, the uh, stages of grief, it also includes a don't do anything. I'm not thinking straight part. <laughs> I, I don't know. Wh- whoever, whoever coined the stages of grief, right, somebody did, should be the end. You're not thinking straight. Don't make any big life decisions. Don't make any big changes for a little while. I've heard some say a year. Some say six months. Uh, I've known some people where, you know, they were preparing for someone close to them to pass away. So so they're able to to uh, cope with it, I guess, a little bit easier or better. I, I don't know the right answer. But I know there's a process that goes through through these stages of grief. But I want to encourage you, when it comes to making a big financial decision, and also that, that includes selling your house and moving far away or you know, I had a client, they, they sold their home, they moved to a condo, they didn't like the apartment living, because basically it's kind of like apartment living, uh, so they didn't like that, so they moved back east to go be with their daughter. Daughter gets a promotion, moves from Indiana down to Georgia, so the mom is now all by herself in Indiana, so she sells that house and moves back to California. So you had this whole triangle of events And the reason she sold the original house to begin with was because of the bad memories and all of those things. And I tried to encourage her, don't sell right now. I understand you think the market is going to go down. It didn't. It just kept going up. Right? But but I understand that, that it brings bad memories. But you realize I can't live through that. You do. So I can only give you my point of view, my advice. So trust the people that love you, your kids, nieces, nephews people that are close to you. Because I don't want you to make these rash decisions 
they might still be the right one. I'm not saying it's it's automatically the the wrong decision because you're grieving. Of course not. Sometimes it's the correct one. Many times it is. But let's just take it a little slow, right? I have a hard stop, a hard red line on three months. Don't do anything for three months after until after. And then a yellow line right at the six-month mark. We can, we will, we might. You know, uh, was it a drawn-out illness? Did you anticipate him passing or her passing? Right? Were there plans in place? How balanced of a support system do you have? I'm not a psychologist, so I can't get into the details. I can only go off of a sense and a feeling that I would say this person, she knows what she's doing or he does, or, you know, I feel like, eh, you know, we're just going to wait a little bit. And then after six months to a year, you know, we're still okay. We're, we're, we're in the yellow zone, but we're, we, can, we can start making some adjustments. I generally like you to go through one series of uh, anniversaries, right? Your, your wedding anniversary, I want to see you go through Christmas and holidays and Passover, whatever the holidays that you would normally celebrate with your beloved, right? I'd like to see some of that come and go. All right. The reason I'm bringing that up is because I had some of you come in recently, one of you come in recently, and I love you all. I really do care about you. Uh, Sometimes so much so, you know, it affects me at home. I mean, I'll I'll come home in a bad mood. My wife will know what's going on. Why why are you silent this weekend or why are you quiet this weekend? Right? Because uh, you guys are hurting and I care about you. It's like family. So I had this happen recently with a, a lady that phoned me and uh, I did, uh, or sorry, she sent an email and I did phone her and speak with her. So I'm going to share with you the email and then a bit of our conversation afterwards. All right. I'm going to change her name because I don't want you to know what her real name is, uh, but we're just going to call her Laura. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Dear Erf, my husband has has passed away about three years ago and I have both my house and all other debts paid off. I currently have an annuity that goes up and down with the market and seems to have those high fees I've heard you talk about. I started with 98000 in one of these accounts 11 years ago, and I currently have 121000 Okay, guys, follow me. 98 is now 121 All right, continuing. I'm not sure why it goes up and down since my broker told me that it would be, quote, safe and I could not lose anything. I have another account that is an annuity specifically set up to save taxes on the interest that I earn over time. It has also right around 100000 when I started and is now at 123000 So almost identical in their, their growth rates. Continuing with Laura's email. I have had that slightly over 10 years. Well, my concern is I was told it would be there for my retirement income that I might need in a couple of years, although right now I'm fine. I have Social Security and a pretty good pension from the County of Los Angeles. Is it possible to move this account and lessen my risks and fees? I'm sure I'm paying a large amount of fees. I just don't know how much, and my broker has never been forthcoming. Does it make sense to start income now, even though I don't need any money? Sincerely, Laura. 
Okay, guys, I told you that I talked to her on the phone, and, and the reason uh, I did is because there's some more information that I'm going to need. So I was able to go through what's called a fact finder, which is where we call the company, the annuity company, directly, and we get the information, we get the data. I'm not going to say the name of the company on the air. Okay, I won't do that. But I will tell you that the capital of Mississippi has often been known to have various financial products that have high fees. Got it? All right. So here's what we did. So we called the company. We said, uh, what's the administrative charge? What's called the admin fee. What's the M&E expense? Mortality and expense rate. Because this is a variable annuity. Right? What is the sub-account fee? What is the rider charge? By the time we were done... The total in fees were 3.5%. From the beginning of, that's 3.5%, 3.55 actually, per year. And that's in both accounts. The reason everything was similar is because they were identical. They were just off by about six or eight months as far as the dates go. So other than that, they were the exact same account, exact same underlying investments, all of that. So the fees were three and a half, three point five five percent, which equals right around thirty thousand dollars a year in fees with one of her accounts. In fact, both of them were about the same. Thirty thousand dollars total in fees from the beginning, and twenty thousand dollars in gains. Let let me be clear on this. Her instincts and what I said before the break, her intuition was correct. There's something wrong with this account. She didn't know what. That's not her job. right? You don't have to know that something's wrong somewhere in the parking structure in the middle of the night or the parking lot to, to say, you know, I, I'm not going to, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, so I'm not going to do No, no. You, you got that funny feeling? You just don't do it. Something's fishy? Don't do it. Not sure? Don't go. Financial product that's giving you funny funny feelings inside, maybe it's time to get a second opinion. $30,000 in fees, $20,000 in gains. That means the account made $50,000, broker got thirty. Now maybe the broker shared it with his or her company and his supervisor. I don't, I don't care where it went. The money left her hand and went somewhere. So whether the broker put $30,000 in his or her pocket, I don't care. The, the, the money's gone. So her account made 50, she got to keep 20, 30 for them for Wall Street. Okay, now, for some people, these accounts meet a perfect need. This would be like the fine print, right? The disclosure, the the disclaimer on the bottom that I have to give you because for some people, my lawyers say, I have to say, for some people, it's the right fit. It's the right thing. It's needed. It's perfect. It's a great account. Discount deal to be de- I love it. Take two to go, please. For most others, and this is general. So listen, in 27 years plus, I have yet to find somebody who said, I know exactly what I bought that's why I bought it. I was willing to pay those fees. I'm, I got it for those benefits. Here I am. I'm happy. I, I haven't found somebody. M- maybe they're out there. I'm hopeful they are. 
because then I have some faith in humanity a little bit more than than maybe I would have had I stayed a police officer for 30 years instead of just 11. I don't know. And a variable annuity is where you take your stock, your, your money and you put it in a stock bond mutual fund. Okay? And then, th- then you wrap an insurance company around it. So they pay a fee and they pay a fee. Now, again, if it's fitting your needs properly, then fantastic. But you have to know that in a decade, you're going to pay about $30,000 in fees to get about $20,000 in gains. Probably not acceptable. Now, here's what happens. A lot of the fees that you're paying for really make the income a higher number. That's great if you got it just for income. But if you pass away, your family doesn't get that money. In many of these accounts, that's not how it works. Your family doesn't receive the extra cash. What your family gets is what? Well, maybe what's left in the account. Maybe they receive uh, what's called a a step up, so so the highest dollar figure that's in that account. But I think most people don't really figure this out. I think most people say, listen, I wanted to put my retirement account in. I wanted to get there. I wanted it to grow. I wanted it to be something. So I just expected it to be an account that was going to grow. We often in the industry talk talk about uh, brokers and agents that put people in these kinds of accounts where you have a paid income rider, where you have to buy it, where you have fees, right? Because you don't have to pay fees. Right? We call them lazy. I, I don't mean they're bad. They're just lazy. They, instead of thinking and creating and building a plan of some sort, they just, what? Every, check a box. Everybody gets the same thing. Now, the way that People in my industry can be paid, right? We don't work for free. So what's the catch, Eric? Well, the catch is simple. You're not going to make all the gains. You'll earn somewhere between zero and maybe 12 or 15% at the most. Realistically, you'll average between three and six, probably right in that world, depending on on the, the time frame. Let's say over 10 years. Some years two, some 10, some five, some four, some zero. The worst case scenario, you're never going to make less than zero. You're never going to make more than about 10 or 12. Okay, so if you're all right with that, then you can have an account where you never pay a fee or a cost out of your principal. You never pay a fee or a cost out of your interest. Whatever they put in your account is always new money. So if it goes up, you go up with it. You make some interest. But it's not right for all of your money. You never put all of your money in any one place. Whether it's in a fixed annuity or fixed indexed annuity, whether it's in the market, you, real estate, I don't, it doesn't, gold. I, you never put all of your money in any one place. I want you to have a variety of income sources. Right? Tax rates are going up. So you're going to want to make sure that you have a reduction of taxes in your account. So one of the annuities that you can buy is something called a non-qualified annuity. What that means is that it's not an IRA. It's not a retirement account. It's money that's already in your purse or your pocket. Right? Remember purse pocket, the money that's in your account, savings checking, the dollars you already have set aside. 
So just ask yourself, what's the the money that's in my savings account? Has it already been taxed? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's already been taxed. There's no reason to take that money and pay more taxes on it right now if you don't need the money right uh, the the tax uh, you don't if you don't need the money don't pay tax on the money let me be clear all right it's this don't pay tax on money you're not going to spend so if you have money inside of your savings checking emergency accounts if you have money that's in there and it's growing and you don't need to spend it then don't pay tax on it if you don't have to put it into a place so you can use annuities to defer, not suspend forever, but defer, delay taxes past the required minimum distribution. All right, here's important. You have money in a retirement account. When you turn 73 under today's law, you have to begin to start taking it out. If you have money in an annuity that is not in a retirement account, then you don't have to take money out at 73 or 74 or, or ever. When you pass away, it'll go to your kids or grandkids, whoever you want it to go to, wife, husband. That's a pretty powerful thing because what it does is it gives you the ability to have many sources of income in retirement without paying taxes on it today. So you can push that out to the future. Hi, I don't need the money right now. When do you need it? Two years, five years, 10 years. Great. Let's send it out to the future. And you get there and you say, hey, good news. I, I didn't realize it, but I, I like what I do. They gave me a new position. Uh, my boss changed. Uh, I changed companies. I like my job. I inherited money. Whatever the case is. Okay, start giving me money or delay it. When it's a non-retirement annuity, you can defer the taxes. So if 100 becomes 105, becomes 110, that money is not taxable until you take it out. And because the 100000 in my example, was already taxed, it is never taxed again. The interest, but not the basis, not the money you put in. Okay? If you have an annuity that's like that, and it's an old annuity, doesn't have to be that old, but can be, you know, whatever, I can look at it. Can we help you reduce some of the risks, the fees, maybe? Can we build kind of a reliable retirement income stream out of it? Maybe. Can we reduce the risk? Probably in some of your cases, for sure we could. So that's the job, right? You want to you look and see, how do I create multiple sources of income in retirement? How do I build reduction of principal uh, only happening when I take money out and not because some broker or financial professional needs a fee? So here's what we did for Laura. After we made those phone calls, we took a look. We saw that she was paying an enormous amount of fees. She had the fees and she didn't want them. So she said, what can we do? Is there a way you can get it out of that account? Because it wasn't me telling her. She's on the conference call. So it's the, it, it's the professional from the company. It's the customer service person. So they reach out, tell us all the, all the information we needed. So I presented her with a few choices. I don't know, three, four choices. And she said, okay, I'd like uh, this one for that account. Great. We took care of all the paperwork. We did it. It's a transfer. 
from company to company. It's a sideways move. That's all she has to do. Fill out the forms. Done. Takes a couple of weeks. By the time it's all done, maybe a little less. And it transfers. The fees have stopped. In fact, some companies that we work with, depending on what you need, depending on where it is, can actually give you a bonus. Now, here's what a bonus is. It's called a matching. Think of it like that. You put in money and your employer puts in money. Remember that? 401k, you put in 5,000, he puts in 2,000, whatever, right? When you put in money and your your employer puts in money, it's called a company match. In our world, when you put in money and the insurance company puts in money, it's called a bonus. You see, 120 years ago, plus or minus, they created banks and insurance companies. The job of those banks and insurance companies was to keep your money safe and protected. In other words, its job was very simple. It was to put you in a position to where you would never go backwards with your principal based on any market risk. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, wait a second. What about First Republic Bank? Well, just stay below the 250000 and you, you should be all right. That's the whole pers- uh, purpose of it, right? But the products for banks and savings accounts, uh, for banks rather, are savings accounts, checking accounts, and CDs. That's the name of the safety-protected uh, accounts that a bank in, uh, banking institution has. All right. On the other side, same thing with, uh, with uh, credit unions, by the way. Credit unions are basically a trade organization. It used to be if you were a member of the electrical union or remember Lockheed Federal Credit Union is now called Logix. The Los Angeles Police Federal Credit Union is, is now called LAPFCU. Right? So, so different uh, trades or groups of people, kind of a locked-in group, would pool their money and would get better rates would kind of insure each other's loans. Well, today, credit unions have their own $250,000 protection. It's called NCUA, National Credit Union Association. It does the same thing that the FDIC does. It's a different insurance company, but the same idea. Okay? Different group. Well, the insurance company version of that has products called fixed and fixed indexed annuities. So if we want safety and protection, we give up, generally, high rates of return. Double-digit returns, at least certainly consistent double-digit returns, just doesn't happen. So don't think about that as a possibility with safety-type products. It doesn't happen. But my job is not to make you rich. It's not to get you double-digit returns. It's to keep you from being broke. Right? You have to keep in mind... Our job is to never go backwards. We can't go backwards and and make up the money, right? Go, oh, I'm going to go back to 45 years old. I, I lost $250,000, so uh, I'm going to go back and earn that. That happened. That happened a couple weeks ago. A lady came in, her and her husband. She said, Arif, we had $780,000 in our account. Now we have six hundred and ten. I thought, oh my gosh, what happened with 170000 and the husband sarcastically said, uh, we don't know. We can't get a hold of our broker. And I said, uh, and I kind of chuckled. And he said, no, really, he doesn't answer our phone because I got mad at him the last time I talked to him. I go, well, you probably should have gotten mad at him because he lost your money. So, well, y- you know, the bottom line is we can't afford to lose those kinds of dollars. So 
I don't know what he's thinking, but we can't lose the money because I can't go back and make it up. So just keep that in mind, that the job of the money is different based on the place of the money. If you're saying, I'm willing to take this risk, then stay in the market, right? You could earn a heck of a lot better rates of return, but if the market goes backwards, you got to make up old money. You see, in our particular case, every time money is added, it's always new money. Every time money is added, it's somebody else giving you money. I like that. 888 retire If I can help you, it'd be an honor. It'd be a privilege, actually. And I appreciate it. I'm Arif Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour. Thanks for being part of the show. 888 retire That's 888-997-3847. You have a blessed week. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now Arif has a plan for Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com